I'm with Jay Slough, K4ZLE. You're about to embark on what many would consider the adventure of a lifetime. I would agree with that. There are about 14 of us that are going to Amsterdam Island in the southern Indian Ocean to operate uh, our amateur radio station there for about 18 days, we hope. Now, call sign Foxtrot Tango 5 Zulu Mike. Um, to put that on air, what's required? Well, we had to work with the French government, obviously, to get the, the license for the radio operation. Then we had to get permission from the French government, the TAAF, which is the Territorial Australia's and Antarctic of France. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how you'd say that in French, but that's the governing body that uh, we had to get permission from to land on this particular island. So there's a whole lot of legal aspect to, to actually getting there. What about the logistical part of it? There's been a lot of work to arrange for the equipment to be supplied, the equipment to be shipped to here in Perth to meet us for the with the boat that's going to take us to the island. So it's this is about a two-year project to get this to the point that we are now, ready to board the boat and, and actually make the, the last portion of the trip to the island. Okay, so your workstation, you know, your quote shack unquote at the other end, what is that going to contain? The, the ship at the other end? No, no, no. When you're operating, you know, you're sitting at a radio, what's, what's your work environment like? Uh, we'll be operating from two different sites on the island. One will be about a mile and a half or approximately, uh, what, two kilometers uh, apart. And uh, one station will be where we operate mostly Morse code, and the other one where we will operate mostly sideband. Uh, we will operate probably from three, uh, there'll be three-hour shifts. Now, whether we do two, three-hour shifts in a row or not, it's going to depend upon what frequency is available to what part of the world at that time. But we have... Uh, I think it's eight stations that we will try to man as much as we possibly can. So you'll have a, a radio, an amplifier. Uh, what other things have you got uh, sitting at your shack? Well, that's mostly it. Is the we'll be using Elecraft uh, uh, K3s and Elecraft KPA 500 amplifiers, uh, and each of us will obviously have a headset. And uh, those of us that are working Morse will have a paddle. And uh, then there's an interface that, that, that goes to, if we're working radio teletype, there's another interface that, that does the keying for that. Uh, that's the basics of the, of the, uh, the radio. There will also be computer logging. All of the logging will be done by computer. And uh, once an hour at least, uh, we will aggregate the station's logbooks together and upload that so people can actually have near real time within an hour uh, feedback on whether they are actually in our log or not. Are you using things like skimmers and, uh, and things like that? Well, we won't be using the skimmers. The skimmers uh, will be used by the, the remote stations to determine where we are and reporting what frequency we're actually operating on. Those of us that operate CW will, will not be using any kind of a computer-assisted code copying mechanism. We copy the, the Morse in our head. Uh, so we will not be using skimmers or any kind of a CW reader when we're operating Morse. Now, we will use computers to do the actual interpretation of the radio teletype signals and, and the other digital modes, but no, no skimmers. Okay, so you're using Mic 1, Eyeball, and Eardrum. Exactly. Your 
going to be operating computers, of course, to do the logging. Uh, what kind of uh, infrastructure have you got in place for that? Is everybody a little bit of a computer expert to make it uh, all work? Uh, no. There are four of us that have been uh, designated to take care of the computer networking. Uh, so there would probably be, uh, if you will, probably one awake at each site at any given time. I do not know if Ralph scheduled it purposely that way, but there are only four of us that should be working with the computers, changing the computers, uh, and, and checking on those to make sure everything is working correctly. Now, we have uh, one of our team members who's not traveling with us who did all of the uh, infrastructure design, and that's W6IZT, uh, has designed all of this and had other people do some of the coding to make sure that it, we've automated it and made it as foolproof as we can uh, so that our time on the island is not taken up with checking the logs and making sure the logs are done. It's as automated as it can be so that we can spend our time operating now, Jay, you've had a license for a little while. When were you first licensed? I was licensed in August of 1958. In that time, you've made a few contacts. What was your most memorable one? That's uh, a question I always have a hard time answering. And uh, what comes to my mind immediately are a couple of contacts. Uh, about 30 years ago, I was operating, I think it was 20-meter CW, and there was a, a fairly slow speed station on the air. And I went back to his CQ, and it turns out that the gentleman that was on the other end of the contact was 80-some-odd years old. And he had been involved, involved, yes, with the development of radar in World War II. So his involvement was part of the testing at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the U.S., working there and working with the, uh, the, the folks in the U.K., uh, which gave us radar, which gave us an edge over the, uh, the Axis powers. So I enjoyed that contact with him very much because my background is as, as an electrical-type engineer. And then another contact that comes to my mind that I enjoyed very much was uh, I think it was on 15-meter phone, and it happened to be, a, let's see, I have to put the year together. It was about 95, I think it was, and it was a reenactment of the United States Civil War, and I happened to be in contact with someone who had just gotten back from one of those reenactments, and uh, he was part of an artillery uh, division, if you will, and I, I was talking with him. My background is in the U.S. military was as a, as a Marine, United States Marine. So the artillery part, I got to talking with him on the air and learning about, and I never really had studied it before, the artillery that was used back in the American Civil War. And it was very interesting to learn about the smooth bore cannons and uh, how much powder they would use to, to set these off. So those are the, the two that popped to my mind right away. Jay Slough, thank you very much. Thank you. K4ZLE, I'm on OVK6FLAB.